Good morning, Stockholm community. How are we doing this morning? Yes, good. Go ahead and have a seat. John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you. Love one another, punt. Period. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Uh, branding is very important, isn't it? Marketing. To, to be able to look at someone's logo and recognize, oh, I know who that is. You know, we just in the United States, they just finished up the Super Bowl. Uh, 30 seconds of commercial was for five point. Six or so million dollars, American dollars, for 30 seconds because it's about brand recognition. Some of the most famous Super Bowl commercials are, have a repeating theme, such as Budweiser, the beer. They have the Clydesdales, right? Then when you think of uh, sports and athletics, Nike's slogan is, just do it. So it's important when people are marketing to have a recognition that you don't have to just have the full scope of something. You can see an image. Or you can have a thought and think, oh, that's this company. Or when you see the three stripes, either black stripes or white stripes, you think Adidas. All right? So brand recognition. And for us as Christians, we also have a brand recognition. John 13, 34, 35, a new command I give you. Love one another, period. As I have loved you, so you must also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. My, so that's the NIV. I have my study Bible is the New Living Translation. I like how it says this. 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love for us as Christians, those that say we follow Christ, is the defining mark, is the brand that when you see an image of what a Christian is, it should be love. Period. Punt. As we say in my household, because I am still learning Swedish, strik punt. Exclamation mark. All right? That is who we are. And that is who we should be. And when someone looks at you, and thinks, oh, they're a Christian? Yeah, I get it because of their love. I get it because of their personality and who they are, how much they care for people, how much they care for me. Jesus, when he said this in John 13, Jesus was not feeling so super great about life, I imagine. He did not just come off one of the greatest miracles that he's ever pulled off, feeding 5,000, or he didn't just get off the walking through the lake on, without anything underneath of him, you know, walking on water. Jesus was about to endure the single thing that he was put on this earth for, to be our Savior, to die on the cross. He was chillaxing, if you want to go family lifestyle. He was chillaxing with his homies, hanging out with his disciples, uh, breaking some bread, having that final meal together. In those hours before, he was going to be turned over and betrayed. So Jesus, just like I was nervous about coming up here and speaking today, because as a pastor and as a preacher, I'm always nervous when I get up to preach the Word of God because it's a weight that I carry. Jesus, I'm sure, had a greater weight than I carried this morning and will ever carry in all my preaching styles, times put together. Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus knew the hours that lay ahead of him. 
And yet he goes, guys, here's a new command I give you. Love each other. And he knows in a few minutes he's going to talk to Peter about denying him. And how when you deny someone, you would think, okay, that person really doesn't love you. That person really doesn't care. He knows in a few moments that Judas is going to sell him out for some money. For us as individuals and us as people, we would think, oh, a sellout and someone that doesn't really want to identify with me, they don't love me, they don't care about me. Boys, you guys can leave. I got 10 now. I would probably have said that. I probably would have acted that way. But not Jesus. Jesus says, love each other. As I have loved you, you, so you must love one another. Jesus wasn't just thinking past tense because just before this, he washed their feet. He showed them that example of a servant love to washing their feet because if you study back in that day, they walked everywhere barefoot or they had some sandals, some leather on their feet. They didn't have proper sidewalk cleaners. They didn't have proper gutters on the roads to wash away everything. You know, they walked in the same paths that the, that the horses and the donkeys and all the other animals, the camels, walked the same paths as well. And if you've ever been to a parade, horses don't go, <clears throat> excuse me, sir, I need to use the restroom now. They lift up their tail and they keep going as they drop a little treasure behind them. So the disciples and the people of that day, they just walked on through it. Maybe if you saw the landmine, you kind of walked around it, but you didn't always avoid everything. And so your feet weren't just a pleasing aroma. There was no pedicure system back then where you got your feet washed every time. It was the job of the servant when you got home to wash the feet of the master and the family so that when, when you entered the home, you didn't bring the, let's say it, crap with you. So Jesus just did that. He demonstrated his love for them, knowing all these things he was going to be going through. This is a conversation that is happening in a, in a given, with a given purpose and a given scope. Jesus knew what was going to happen, but he also needed them to understand that they needed to be different than everybody else. That difference is that four-letter word, love. Being loved is the most powerful motivation in the world. Our ability to love is often shaped by our experiences of love. We usually love others as we have been loved. And Jesus is saying, boys, this is the new command that I give to you. So this love, number one, is defined. Well, take a quick pause. Uh, this is the first time I've ever been able to say this, but hello to everyone back home. It's nice to say Facebook Live, and literally my people are back home. My daughter's been sick since Friday, so hope you're feeling better, Amelia. Love you, babe. Um, so, unpause. All right, let's get back to this. Uh, number one, this love is defined. What is this love Jesus is talking about? Well, A, it's a new love. So Jesus said, this is a new love. Okay, well, what was that previous command? All right, so let's look at that. Leviticus 19.18 says this. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. So there's a parameter, your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So this, God gave this rule or command to the children of Israel. It was given to a specific set of people. 
It wasn't given to the people of Cana. It wasn't given to the people of Greece. It was given just God gave it only to his people. All right? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. The neighbor was their fellow countrymen, their fellow Jews. In this commandment, which embraces the whole law of the Old Testament, self-love is assumed. Interesting. So my love for myself dictated my love for my neighbor. So if I'm not feeling lovable today, if I don't really like myself today, it's okay to not really like my neighbor today. But if I love myself today, then I'm going to love my neighbor today. That's what this law, in a sense, summed up. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus goes, takes that commandment and he establishes, he freshens it up. He breathes some new life into it. In Romans 13.8, it says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Jesus is now defining what is this love. He called this a new commandment. Though to love one's neighbor as oneself was familiar and commonplace for the Jews, it had, and it also had a recognized position in the rabbinical teaching. But his commandment proposed a new object of love. It set forth a new measure of love so greatly different from all that had preceded it as to become almost new, a new kind of love. And it suggested and supplied a new motive and power for love. This commandment could give life and fulfill itself. Jesus was breathing and defining what love was. Not just to love out of ourselves, but as he said, as I have loved you. He was defining what love was. And uh, so we have a new love in this definition This new love is also a sacrificial love. As I have loved you. Again, referring not just to a degree, but pointing to his example of what he's done. Here's not a level. Brian, a few weeks ago, talked about the varying types of love. He wasn't just saying, here's this friendly, nice, neighborly love. Jesus was saying, in the same way that I have loved you. And the disciples would come to understand and realize what that love meant, that sacrificial, Jesus dying on the cross for them kind of love was. Jesus explained it in John 15, 13, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for another. So this love wasn't just about me. This love is not about me. This love is about other people. John, the disciple, wrote in 1 John 3, 16, not John 3.16, but 1 John. This is how we ought to know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and see a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. We can give all kinds of lip service. We can say that we love people. We can say that we are the greatest lover of all people in the world. But until our actions follow and back up what we are saying, we have no love. 
people are not going to believe anything that we say as Christians, followers of Christ, until they can see a definition of what it is that we are saying. Is our life consistent with the words that we are coming out of our mouth? Do we, as we say in the United States, do we uh, walk the talk? We can talk the talk, but do we walk the walk? Do we live as we said we are? Paul commanded in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So I think we can now see a pattern here in the words and in the Bible that this love is not just about us. It's not love your neighbor as yourself. This love is about how God demonstrated it for us. And what did Jesus do for us? He gave it up for us. He gave it all. His entire life he gave for us. So Jesus explained it. John wrote about it. Paul commanded. And then it was demonstrated in the first churches. Acts 2.45 talks about giving up their possessions because of their love. In 2 Corinthians 8, it talks about the Macedonian church loving and giving generously for the people. Church, that is what we should be. When we talk about lead with love, it should be that. Leading with love. Our love should be going before us. When people that are coming after us, we are leading them in love. Are we going to make mistakes? Yeah, sure, you betcha. We are. I make mistakes. I'm a father. I screw up quite often. Just ask my daughter. She'll tell you. But the one thing that I want her to know in all my mistakes is that I still love her. I may screw up. I may say things that are not nice to her. But then I, as a, as a man and as a father, need to go back and say, Honey, I'm sorry. It was wrong of me to do that. I did not love you in the way that I have said I love you. Please forgive me. And then love of m- on my kid. And instill in her a confidence that her earthly father loves her. Yes, he's going to mess up. He's going to make mistakes. But even if he makes the mistakes, he's going to be there. He's going to admit when he's wrong. We have to demonstrate our love. So our definition of love, it's a new love, it's a sacrificial love, and it's a visible love. The love that we have as Christians should not just be within these walls that we rent here on Sunday. When we leave here, we should be oozing our love. It should be spilling out from us. What we do and how we react and how we talk to our neighbors, how we talk to the people on the train, well, if they want to talk to you back. But how we interact with people should be a foundation of love. As we sang today, his love is our foundation. It is how we live. We should be observed in love. Number two, so this first love, love is... uh, Defined now with the definition of a sacrificial love of how Jesus loved us, we now can develop this love. The motive of this love is the love of Jesus, right? Which we've talked about. It's a love that as Christians and followers of Christ, we should be experiencing. When we came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to start this relationship with you. 
most likely it's because you understood that God loves you. No matter what kind of junk you've done, no matter what kind of person you are in that moment, no matter what you've said to your kids in the car on the way to church or wherever it was, you felt and understood that God loves you. You may not understand who He is completely. You may not like all of the ways that He wants you to live His life, but you understood He loves you. And that's what this Bible says. God wants us to come to Him just the way that we are. Jesus says, don't hinder the kids, the little ones, from coming to me. Let them come to me. And then let's teach them. Let's love on them. And as we love on them, and as God loves on us, then we get to know God, and we understand who God is. And God speaks to us. All right, Brandon, this is something I need to get you to shave off. Let's get the sandpaper out, and let's sleep, and let's sand this away. It's a rough edge on you. I want to smooth you out. Craft terms, folks. I'm a craft teacher. We've done a lot of sleeper lately, a lot of sanding lately. Sometimes we need a file and a rasp, which removes a lot more. But God wants to shape us and develop us. We cannot know the depth of Jesus' love unless we are willing to face the fact that he knows us completely. Otherwise, we are fooled into believing he must love the people we pretend to be, not the sinners that we are. We cannot know the depths of Jesus' love unless we are willing to face the fact that he knows us completely. We can't hide anything from Jesus. That should set us free. Jesus knows our garbage. He can see the deep, dark circles or recesses, corners of our hearts. He knows the things that are in there that nobody else knows that's in there. Yet Jesus still loves us. So even just go back to, back to John 13. Jesus knew what Peter was going to do, deny him three times. And Jesus still loved him. Jesus still let him sit at his dinner table and break bread with him and laugh and cry and, and have fun, whatever they were doing in those moments. Jesus still allowed him in that circle. Think about it even three years before that when Jesus selected Peter. He knew that Peter was going to do all these things. He knew the rough edges that Peter had. We can read in the Bible about some of the corrections that Jesus gave to Peter. Some of the sanding, some of the filing that he did to him in those moments. Why? Because Jesus knew and loved him. Jesus even knew three years before when he selected Judas. All right, I'm selecting this man. And I know that this man in three years is going to sell me out to the Romans and to the priests. It's going to be his fault. Everybody's going to point a finger at him. But I'm still going to love on him. Because my love doesn't care what they do in the future. My love is about today. Because if I love on them today, maybe their tomorrow is going to change. I've encountered many people as a youth pastor that the because of the love of God in that day, it changed someone's future and destiny. I worked with a lot of young people in Tacoma that were gangbangers. I had kids bringing drugs to church. They thought it was okay, and I just like, all right. I had a kid bring a gun to church, 
hey, you know, it's the sort of spirit, I guess. It's a new version. But, but these were broken kids. And because we loved on them, I didn't do everything right as a youth pastor. There were things that I messed up on. I had kids, I took them in the church van to drive them home. Boyfriend and girlfriend got in an argument, and the guy jumped out of the stop sign and ran away. He eventually came back at some point. We couldn't find him that night, but we got word that he got back home. But we still love on people. I could have chosen at that moment, dude, you're so crazy. Come back when you straighten up. But that's not what Jesus does. We let him back. We said, hey, next week when you come back, can we leave the guns at home? Or we'll lock them in the church van. Or let's leave the drugs somewhere else. Let's, let's just get hooked on Jesus tonight. But we loved on some of these kids. Yeah, some of them kind of went back crazy. But then there's other kids that have fallen in love with Jesus and they've turned their life around. We love for today because there's a hope for tomorrow. We as Christians love on our coworkers, not because they're the greatest box of sunshine we've ever met in the world. They might be the sharpest tax in our tukish, but we still love on them because Jesus loved on us. So we should love on them. If we have a hope and a desire for them to come to Stockholm Community, we should love on them. We should invite them out. We should buy them that cup of coffee, even though they are the coldest thing since the frozen tundra, which we haven't experienced a lot of this year. But we need to love on people because that's what God did. So we're taught by God to love other people. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. John, 1 John 4.9, God showed his love. So there's different ways. So we're taught by God how to love. This love is being developed. So God taught us. Then Jesus modeled that love for us. 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And then we're motivated by others. So we're taught by God. It's modeled by Jesus. And we're motivated by others. Hebrews 10.24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good needs. I heard a message the other week uh, in cowboy country, Colorado. They were talking about spurs. I grew up in Montana, so I knew what spurs were. You had them on the back of your cowboy boots. Cowboys and cowgirls would uh, jab their horse to get them to go a little faster. Most of the time, people think, oh, spurs are terrible. No. If you use them correctly, it's a motivation. It's just a little, a little touch in the side of the horse that, okay, we got to keep going. It's not a torture tool. And so we as Christians should not be spurring each other on. Ah, 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 ah. Laura, you're not loving today. Ah. <laughs> uh, my, Mikael, you're not loving today. Ah. Carolyn, you're not loving today. Ah. But we should be gently nudging and prodding each other on. Hey, hey, I, I, saw, I saw today it wasn't your greatest day, was it? No, no, it, it wasn't my best day. I, I know, Angela, I'm sorry. It wasn't my best day today. We need to spur each other on in love. Let's help each other out. If you see someone, encourage with love. Because, yeah, we all have our crap that we go through. We all have garbage that we deal with. We, some of us have more emotional baggage than they do on the airlines. And some of us, we're trying to deal with that. We're trying to unload that baggage. We're trying to leave it back behind us. We lay it at the foot of the cross and we try to go a different direction. Sometimes we come back and pick it up and say, okay, I got to leave it again. Oh, but I really, but we should love and do things and be motivated out of love. So we should motivate each other in love. 
I found this great phrase, and it's a little bit um, grown up for me. And so I, I'm going to read it for you, and then I'm going to try to bring it down to my level uh, for you. Uh, and so in studying this and in diving into what uh, John 3, 13 said, uh, this um, commentator said this, Never, Nevertheless, this distinction rests simply upon the fact that Christian brotherly love must be mutually determined and sustained by the personal experience of the love of Christ, or else it is destitute of its peculiarly Christian character. So some of us got it, and for me, I had to read it many times. And so I'll give you the, the definition or the, the verbiage, like the Message Bible, I'll bring it into my terms that I can understand a little bit easier. Our love is different because of our experience with the love of Christ. And if we are not experiencing that love of Christ on a continuous basis, if we're not motivated by that love of Christ to display that love to others, we're just like everyone else. If we say we're a Christian, but we don't do things out of the love that Christ has for us, we just do things nilly-willy, then we're no different than everybody else on the train. If I say I love God, but my talk and my walk do not match, I'm no, I'm no different than anybody else. So I should just stop saying I'm a Christian. I should just give it all up, because if I can't lead a different life, if I can't have this brand or this distinction as a Christ follower that I love people, I need to just shut up before I put up. And then go, go to God and say, all right, God, I'm really sucking at this lately. I'm not loving people. I had to do it last fall. I was in a miserable funk. I had a lot of things going on in my mind. And we had some hard moments in my family. Because of me. And I had to go to my wife and I had to go to my daughter and say, all right, this funk in me needs to end. It's nothing that you've done. I haven't been the husband I should be. I haven't been the father that I should be. And I'm sorry. But the funk needs to end. And I'm putting an end to it today. Hopefully, when I get in the funk tomorrow, you can say, Dad, stop it. Or, Honey, stop it. And I can get that cue, okay, all right, the funk is no more. Because if my, if my life is not motivated out of the love of Christ, what good is it as a Christian? I'm just going to be a stumbling block to other people, and I don't want that. I don't want that at all. So Jesus and God define the love. They help us develop the love. And now the love is to be demonstrated. Jesus gave them a bond of union in John 13, by which they should always be linked to him and to each other in the principle of love. The followers of the great teachers and rabbis had their distinctive marks. Here was the distinctive mark of Christianity, which all men and women should be able to read and see. It is instructive that the characteristic mark of Christianity should thus be asserted by its founder to, be, to consist not in any formula or sign, but in the love which asserts the brotherhood of man. The apologists of the first centuries delighted in appealing to the striking fact of the common love of Christians, which was a new thing in the history of mankind. Wow, 
people care about others, even though we've done nothing to be cared for. And while the church has sometimes forgot that characteristic, the world never has. Stockholm Community, let's be a church that when people say, oh, you go to Stockholm Community, man, they love. They love people. I can come in without showering all week long, <laughs> and people will still hug me. Come on. Come on. I can walk in, and I've spilled the Presbyterian Cafe that I, I just bought at the Alvik's Centrum. I got it all over myself, and someone's still going to hug me with their white shirt because they love. Some people don't want a hug, so I'm going to give them a good handshake. I'm going to look them in the eye and say, I am glad to see you here today. I respect who you are. Maybe it's a fist bump. Maybe it's a high five. Maybe it's a chest bump, Ryan. But I'm going to love on people. Stockholm community loves on people because that is who we are. Christ's love compels us to reach out. Christ's love compels us to just be that, love. But our words are never enough, church. God also wants us to witness by the way that we live. So my life should be love. And if it's not, it's time to fix it and get it back out there in the game. That's the biggest reason why God's word urges us to love one another. Not one time, not two times, not four times because there's the four gospels, but 16 times. How many of you have parents have said something 16 times to your kids? Amelia? Why? Because we want to emphasize it, because it's a value of ours as parents. I want to instill in you this behavior. No, don't do that. Don't leave your cup on the dinner table. Take it to the sink. Why, Dad? Because you are big enough that you can help out around the house by just bringing it to the sink. Close the bathroom door when you're done. Why, Dad? No, it's more like, why, honey? Because not everything smells pleasant in there. Okay. When you grow up in a home, Mom, of four boys, we just left things out. And for me lately, my nose hasn't been working, so I don't smell anything. It's nice having a, a little infant in all of his poopy diapers. It's easy for me to go in there and change. Oh, this is a bad one today, honey. I can't smell it. It's fine. But we should love each other 16 times. Love each other just as Jesus loved us. We should love each other when we gather, when we're here on Sunday mornings. This may be the only time someone ever comes in the doors of what you would call a church. And it might be the only time they ever see more than one Christian. So then when they see two Christians interacting with each other, what do they see? Do they see us liking each other? Do they see smiles on our face? Are we happy to be around each other? Or are we a church that's just like, ugh, we got to be here because everybody at my work talks Swedish and I need some English today. <laughs> Is that the reason why? Or are we here because we like doing life with each other? One of our values here at Stockholm Community is community. 
we like to be with each other. Some days we like it more than others. And that's okay. I can be a pain in the butt a lot of the time. And that's all right. I'm still going to go have coffee with Brian next week or the week after. We'll see how my schedule fits. But do we like each other? Do we talk to each other? Or do they just see a bunch of grumpy nannies here in this house? All right? So we got here as this church building. And then in the community. When we gather, are we, in the, and, are we demonstrating love out in the community? When we're hanging out with each other. Uh, before we, a uh, year ago, Miriam and I met quite often in coffee shops talking about kids' ministry. Miriam's our kids' director. She'll be in here next week. Woohoo! First time in almost a year, uh, which is great. We're growing, and things are happening, so our kids' director doesn't always have to be stuck back there. Well, she's not stuck. She loves it. But her and I were at a coffee shop talking about church and, and Stockholm community. We didn't even have this facility yet. We we're just laughing and having a good time, and someone comes up and goes, do I, do I hear you talking about church? Yeah. Oh, tell me more about your church. Well, we're launching on March 24th. Come on down. You know, so when you're out there, are you just, oh, okay, we're going to talk about church. Let's, let's be quiet. You know, do you remember Pastor Carolyn's word and Pastor Brian last week? They talked about those 21 things that they've learned. Oh, wait, shh, shh, someone's coming by. Okay, let's talk again. Oh, wait, no, someone else. Oh, shoot, there's my coworker. Oh, hide my face. Are we just talking normal so people can overhear conversations? Yes, Swedes aren't going to talk to you. People don't talk to you sometimes here, but they overhear, right? They overhear. So let the love of Christ compel you to speak nicely about other people. Let the love of Christ compel you to have a godly conversation. That even if it's a, a tough conversation, that your tough conversation's in love. Let the love of Christ compel you to be the motivating factor for your life. So she came and checked out our church one week. This was like six months later. I'm like, oh, hey, I remember you. And then she came back the next week. Um, we must have scared her off because she hasn't come back yet. But, hey, we're still reaching out. We're still loving. You know, it's not like, oh, well, she's checked off our list. Nah. No, if she comes back, we're going to welcome back in with open arms. Oh, man, it's so good to see you. I may not remember your name, but I remember your face. It's nice to see you again. So when we're in the community hanging out with other Christians, what do they see in our interactions with other people? Do they see a strong love? sincere appreciation, genuine interest? Or are you just standing at the water cooler? Man, I can't wait for this guy to shut up. I got to get back to work. I need to make a phone call. My phone's going off in my pocket. Or are you showing a genuine interest in your coworker? Love, what is the difference? When you look at your coworker and you look at yourself, what is the difference between you and them? They may lead a good life, they may not smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do. Ha, ha, ha. There we go. They, they may lead a good life. If you look at their life, go, man, they're, they're a good person. They give to charities. They help the poor. They, you know, those kinds of things. So what's the difference between you and them? What's the difference? Is it the love of God? 
that oozes from your life that is your motivating factor? The reason why you live your life? Oh, here's, here's a hot button. Let's go social media. Oftentimes, social media, we should be different. We should be in our social media oozing the love of God. We may not always be, oh, God loves you on social media. But how we interact with people, how we debate things, and how we talk about in those forms should be out of love and out of respect for each other and opinions. Wrapping it up with this. Warren Worsby, a commentator, said this, that this word new does not mean new in time because love has been an important part uh, to, of love because love has been important to God's people even from the Old Testament times, which we read in Leviticus 19. Rather, it means new in experience, fresh with new meaning and power. There is power in our love. Kale, if you and the team want to come back up, there is power in what we do. There is power in our love. There is power in our relationships with other people because of our love. If we're not motivated by love, if we have not love, then we are, as the, the, the Old Testament says, a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. We're just a bunch of ding, 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 noise to people. I don't want to be a bunch of noise to other people. I want people, I may not interact with them all the time, but I want them to see that I love and care for them. I may not be hubba hubba love, because I only have hubba hubba love for my wife, but I want them to see, all right, Brandon, I, I could go to Brandon, and he would listen to me. I could go to Brandon, and he could give me some, some advice that probably sounds okay, but I could just go to Brandon and and even if we don't say anything, he'll still smile and hang out with me. There is power in our love. So Jesus took the old commandment, took the Levitical commandment of love your, love your neighbor as yourself and said, all right, here's a new commandment. Let's refresh. Let's update it. Let's go Windows 10 or whatever Windows is at now. I remember when it was Windows, just Windows, 98, and then 4 and 7 and all those things. Jesus is refreshing this command. Love one another, period. As I have loved you, so love each other. And by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. It's like having a tattoo. It's like the, the guy I helped in Tacoma finding a job. He had a tattoo on his forehead. It was going to kind of be hard to notice his tattoo, not notice it. Because it's right there on his forehead. Almost the exact same thing. We should have a tattoo. Love on our forehead. Should be on our arms. Should be on our feet. Should be on our backs. Should be on our fronts. Love. That when I do something, it's out of love. When I say a kind word to someone, it's out of love. When I speak some correction into my family's life, it's out of love. We need to do things because of that love. So our memory verse this month, John 13, 34, 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know 
that you are my disciples if you love one another. This morning, you hear my, my words that I hope conveyed the idea of love, that God loves and wants us to love. Maybe this morning you're going, all right, Pastor Brandon, I hear you, I feel you. Love should be a motivating factor. And you talked about how this love should be based on our experience with Jesus. You know what, Brandon? I don't have an experience with Jesus. But today I want to have one. I want to experience Jesus today. So in this moment, let's all close our eyes out of respect for each other. And if that's you and say, you know what, Brandon? I've not experienced Jesus' love before, but I want to experience that love today. Could you just raise your hand for me, please? Maybe you're here and you said, you know what, Brandon? I've experienced it before, but as the carnival ride, I I got on and got off. But I don't want it to be just a a ride that I get on and get off. I want to experience Jesus' love throughout my life, at all moments in my life. I want to come back to that love. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? In a moment, we're going to pray for you. I have one more opportunity. Maybe you're here and say, you know what, Brandon? I I resonate. I, I hear you on what you said earlier about how you were in a funk. Your love was not displayed at all. You just put on that mask for other people. Say, Brandon, that's me. I, I want to remove that mask. I want to, I want to get out of my funk. I want God's love to saturate me again. I'm dry and stale like the sponge that sat at the kitchen sink for, for a month. I want to get back in the love, just like you would put that sponge under the, the faucet of the kitchen sink and allow the water to flow over it. I want God's love to flow over me today. I want God's love to saturate who I am so I can start flowing in love. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, we just come to you this morning. God, I thank you for your love that it can not only just infect us and make us feel good, but that it is a motivating factor for us to go, okay, God, you love me, and I'm going to try my best to love other people the way that you have loved me. God, I pray for those that said, you know what? I've experienced Jesus' love, but I've kind of walked away from it. God, I pray for them right now this morning, where they are sitting, those two that are sitting there, that that they would just start sensing your love right now. Your presence as, as, is not a tangible thing, but just like the wind, we can feel your presence. We can feel it coming over us. God, I pray that your love would come over them right now, that they would yield and give themselves and say, Jesus, I want to reconnect with you, and I don't want to let go. I want to stay in this journey with you. I want to keep walking in this life with you. Jesus, be my Savior. Be my God. Be my Lord. Help me to walk with you. And Lord, for those that raised their hand and said, you know what, God, I feel so dry. I feel in such a funk. God, I want you to just pour over me today. I pray for those individuals as well. 
that as they lift their hands or they lift their eyes or they turn their bodies or their heads to you or their hearts to you, God, that your tap of love would just begin to flow out on them today. That it would, they would just begin to be overflowed. That as they open themselves up, the sponge of their heart and life and mind would just become saturated with your love to be overflowing with you. That they also feel your love today. That they sense it and can feel the love, your arms wrapping around them this morning. Because God, we want to be different. We want to be a follower of Christ that is stamped in love, that is branded in love. We want people to look at us and go, all right, they go to, not only do they go to church, but there's something different about them. They love, they care, they're genuine in their relationships around this office. They are genuine in their relationships around this apartment building. They are genuine in their relationships here at home. God, help us to love you so we can love others more. I ask this in your name. Amen. As the worship team leads us, we're going to just dismiss with their song as they lead us, but I'm going to stand up here. If you want prayer this morning, whether it's to love others more or you need to feel God's love or something else, I'll be up here and I'm sure others from our leadership team are going to come up as well. But I hope that you are able to walk away with something today whether it's more love for yourself because of what God did or whether it's the ability to love others more because of what God did. And in today, the reality of today's message really does help make Sunday here making Monday better. Amen? Because Sundays here make Mondays better. Right? Right, Brian? Amen. So as, as we sing and close with this song, I'll be up here. Some others are going to be up here to pray for you. And just come.